Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. Among the many storylines on NFL Live this afternoon, the fallout from Le'Veon Bell's business decision to remain away from the team. Some tough talk from his Steeler teammates. about time and here's the good news welcome to the first day of the 2018 season we are going to talk about nothing but football for the <laughs> next two hours so stay with us Wendy next Adam Schefter Darren Woodson and Teddy Bruschi and where else would we start except the return of football it is the Falcons and the Eagles at the link it's a battle of the last two NFC champions they had very different Super Bowl results last year divisional playoffs the Eagles scored the game's final nine points to beat Atlanta 15 to dim. It continued a tough trend for the city of brotherly love for Matt Ryan, who went to high school just outside Philly. He's one in four there. Only Eli has more losses there since 2008. And Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles gets the start for the champs. Carson Wentz not yet cleared for contact. Foles threw for 246 yards in the playoff win over the Falcons last season. He was there. He's still there. He'll probably always be there. <laughs> Sal Palantonio joins us from Philadelphia, where he should be. Happy football, Sal. Happy football season. Happy game day, Wendy, and to you and everybody at NFL Live. And, you know, in a lot of conflicting but beautiful emotions here at Lincoln Financial Field and in Philadelphia, the town wants to savor the Super Bowl. There'll be a celebration tonight. But the team wants to turn the page to the next season. So I texted Doug Peterson this morning, and I said, what did you tell the team last night about how to manage the conflicting emotions? And here's what he texted me back this morning. He said, I told them to relax and have fun. Let their personalities show and embrace the challenge. And one guy who needs to relax and embrace the challenge is obviously quarterback Nick Foles. It's tough to stand in for Carson Wentz once, but now he's got to do it again. Listen to Nick Foles. It's a new season. Um, obviously, that'll always be a special moment. It's a great, one of the greatest moments in Philadelphia sports history for any sport. Um, but for you know me in this position and our team, you know we're so focused on the game that it'll be a little bit different for us. Just because you know our job going in on Thursday night is to you know play against the Falcons and you know ultimately you know our goal is to win the game, just like their goal is to win the game. So I'm going to be so focused on that. You know I don't know how much I'll really be paying attention. It was very painful to watch Nick Foles in the preseason. A lot of his teammates went up to him trying to rebuild this conference confidence. Jason Kelsey told me it's all about protecting Nick Foles. And here's the back page of your Philadelphia Daily News this morning, Wendy. There you go. 
We got your back, Nick. There's Jason Peters going to start at left tackle after missing most of the season last year due to injuries. Everybody's anxious to see how Jason Peters does at left tackle. And Nick Foles. Wendy, back to you. Sal, thank you. We look forward to many more newspapers to come the rest of the year. I know you'll be back with a report on the Falcons as well. Steve Young joins us as well on this opening day. Steve, welcome. Uh, Nick Foles, as you know, starts tonight. What kind of a game plan would you expect? Well, first of all, how about Sal in Philadelphia (laughs) talking about the Super Bowl Eagles? I mean, that's the way to start the season. It's amazing. Yeah, Nick Foles, remember when he last year, about two or three games into Nick's replacement of Carson Wentz, I felt that Doug Peterson, the head coach, flipped the script. Instead of trying to protect Nick, he said to Nick, you know what, Nick, I'm going to call plays. You protect me. And I think that was a real part of what made the run happen and why they got to the Super Bowl and why Nick Foles was the MVP was that Doug Peterson trusted Nick and put the whole game plan and all the playbook out to him and said, look, I'm going to call plays, be very aggressive. You protect me from bad calls. And I think Nick did a great job. So this game plan, the game plan this year got to be the same. Nick, I'm going to expand even more so. You protect me. Let's go for another Super Bowl. And I think it's poetic justice that Nick gets to start the season. It would have been odd if he was a Super Bowl MVP and couldn't kind of continue it. So it's nice in a weird way that he gets a shot to do that. I agree. And he struggled some in the preseason, Steve. But does that mean anything at all? Not especially for the Eagles. Doug Peterson is um, he's a he's an offensive-minded guy that wants to create new things. He's gonna he's not gonna be the same guy last year. I think Sean McVay and the other coach is doing the same kind of thing. They're just they're the guys that are gonna come up with the new wrinkles. They're gonna come up with the new things that people are gonna do. And I think remember when Bill Walsh were the were the 49ers, he was always that way. And preseason was not the place to do that. It was the regular season when people won't you know he didn't want to show it. And so we were always 55 you know tuned to 500 football in this preseason because it, we didn't really show what we had. And I think the same thing with Nick. You can't really do all that you want to do. Watch tonight. You'll see a much different game plan. You'll see a much different Nick Foles. You'll be a much different team as they explode from all the things that Doug Peterson is working on the offseason. Let's flip our own script, Steve, for just a minute because clearly the Eagles are exercising caution with Carson Wentz, as they should. But for the quarterback, for Carson Wentz, who you know wants to play, what's that like for him? Brutal. I mean, it's, I, I, what a learning and tough experience. I said, witnessing, I always say witnessing sucks. You know, it's like no one wants to watch. Like, you want to play. And it's got to be so hard for Carson at the end of the last year to see the Super Bowl. Love your teammates. Love that you were part of a Super Bowl championship, but you weren't on the field. And now to start the season not on the field, it's got to be making him crazy. But until you're fully ready to play, and go out and protect yourself, and then not, and, and not just for a few weeks, but for 15 years. You want to be able to be healthy and be one of the great players of all time. You've shown that, you know, the roots of that, the, the buds of that, to go do it. The game here or there really, he has to be mature enough to know that a game here or there does not matter. Certainly, all understandable emotions. So, Steve, thank you. I know you're back with us shortly. We're going to cover the Falcons' end of this equation in just a minute. But uh, week one or no, it is never too soon. And I... I say never. I use that word by choice to have Teddy at the touchscreen. Okay, so Teddy uh, Teddy at the touchscreen, I like just saying it. Let's talk about Nick Foles under center and what you expect. Yeah, and Steve talked about how Doug Peterson did such a great job of changing things up for Nick Foles and how he executed them so well. And, of course, you got to talk about the run-pass option, how good of a job Nick Foles did in recognizing that during the course of the year. But as you see here, the safety comes down, and that's, Harrison Smith of the Vikings right there. You're going to have a run-pass option. This is what Nick Foles sees, but he also sees 
this cornerback playing off of the receiver. So as this play progresses, first watch the offensive line and the look that they're giving because of the run option. Look at the drive off of the line of scrimmage right here. The play fake, which keeps Smith right there. And now this area of the field is where they want to attack right there because of the off position of the corner. And it's an easy throw for Nick Foles as he pulls the ball out of the belly of the running back. And if you see this right here, but watch this. This is Lane Johnson, the offensive tackle. This is the line of scrimmage way back here. You're about one, two, three, four, five yards, but that's how good it is. If I'm a linebacker, I have to come up here because they're so committed in their techniques for the run in the run pass option. And there's also little, little, Techniques that they use to get each other free that are so well coached. This is another run pass option here. Watch the offensive line. You can tell they are blocking run. Nick has the option here. But watch the little pick route right here by this receiver on a critical third and one situation. Okay? Watch this body posture right there. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. That is clearly a pick situation. So Smith has to get around it here. But look at the body posture. He is showing the official, I may get this ball and catch it, but he's really just getting in the way. It's the little details of the run pass option. The short passing game is what makes this Eagle offense so successful, and it's what Nick Foles is best at, Wendy. So tonight versus the Falcons, a lot of those short passes, run pass options, expect to see them. Teddy, thank you. We've talked so much about the Seagulls offense primarily because we have two really starting quarterbacks and one of them is hurt. Uh, but let's talk about the pass rush for just a minute. The flip side of this equation, oh. uh, the Eagles defense, who of course will be charged with slowing down Matt Ryan. And this is a talk. I mean, we talk about the Eagles offense and what they did last year and they did a great job. But when you talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, you're talking about that defense. You're talking about that front seven, Brandon, uh, Brandon uh, Fletcher, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and now they bring in Michael Bennett. That's a NASCAR package. And when they get you in third and long, it's going to be a tough day because they bring extreme pressure. They can collapse a pocket from the outside. Fletcher Cox can collapse it from the inside at the same time. And he doesn't buy you, your quarterback enough time to get the ball out of his hands. Tonight, in tonight's game, Matt Ryan's going to be on the clock. He's going to have to get that ball out of his hands as quick as he can because that pressure is going to come from that front seven. Uh, tell us what you know, Adam, about the return of Carson Wentz. Uh, this would have been, I think, on the early side of the timetable, so there's no concern really, I wouldn't think, but it would have never been, Wendy, And I think he's physically ready. I think if this were the Super Bowl, mm. I think that they would think about sending him out there to play in this game, and I think he could go out there and play without any physical limitations. He's looked great during the summer. The issue is, and you heard Carson Wentz himself say this last week, and obviously he spoke to the doctors about this, but they said the basically the chance of re-injuring that knee, if you come back sooner than nine months and he injured it last December, is higher. The incidence of re-injury is higher. So I think all along they knew that he wasn't going to play in this opener, and it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't play next week. And I think you begin to look at their schedule, and I think week three would be a logical target date to begin to think that that would be a time to get back Carson Wentz, not because he's not ready tonight, he is, but because they're being careful and exercising caution 
for a long-term decision. Eventually, when Wentz comes back, and even tonight for Nick Foles, Peters at left tackle. To have him there yeah. is such a big plus yeah. for Nick Foles tonight against the Falcons and going forward when Wentz rejoins them. I want to go back to a point Steve Young made because I, I, it's clearly Carson Wentz' team, and in no way do we want to you know, argue that point, and it should be. I do think there's something nice in a way about him being able to start this game at yeah. least and sort of you know, bookend what he finished last year as a Super Bowl. I, I don't know that the fans I, in Philadelphia feel that No, way. I don't no. know that they do they, they're, either. They're acting as if Nick Foles can't throw a spiral. Which is a little bit crazy. He's forgotten how to throw a spiral right now. Welcome to Philadelphia, everyone. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, the, the man did win a Super Bowl. Uh, I understand he's not Carson Wentz, but nevertheless. Uh, anyway, football is back. We couldn't be happier about it. An expanded edition of NFL Live today will take you to 3.30. Our annual Week 1 Monday Night Football doubleheader kicks off. Matthew Stafford and the Lions hosting Sam Darnold and the Jets. That's at 7.10 Eastern. Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, and the Rams travel to Oakland to face John Gruden's Raiders in the nightcap. Both games simulcast on ESPN2 in Spanish, also available on the ESPN app. Monday Night Countdown gets us started at 5. All-pro running back Le'Veon Bell told ESPN he's prepared to sit out a season or even retire if franchise tagged for the second consecutive year. You know, the running back position, it kind of gets, gets overlooked. And obviously I want to be, be happy for myself and um, what I, a number I'm happy with. The Steelers will apply the franchise tag to Bell. At the last moment, Le'Veon Bell said, this is not a deal that I am prepared to sign. Bell believes that precedent is more important than him just taking a few extra million dollars. It just wasn't to be for Le'Veon. Bell and the Steelers, but the two sides failed to agree on a long-term contract. When he gets here, that's when we'll start quantifying all Le'Veon Bell-related things. Right now, we're just singly focused on the guys that are here. His days in Pittsburgh are precarious at best. We also know how he's been utilized in the past by the Steelers organization. They have one of the best players who have ever played this position, and they rely on him heavily for the production that he can provide. But in doing so, you take away from his future years. Despite expectations earlier in the week that he would report in advance of week one, Le'Veon Bell has opted to stay away from the team and not sign his $14.5 million franchise tender. It's waiting if and when he does return. This was a snapshot of the reaction yesterday in the Steelers' locker room. I think we're a very good offense. Um, You know, football is the ultimate team sport. One person doesn't make or break you. So, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to say... That, that the linemen are, are more important than any skill position player, including myself, on this on this team. So, um, you know, we're more than this offense is more than just one guy. I just I just felt confident that he was going to come, but now that he didn't, obviously, it's Le'Veon over the Steelers, and we're we're the Steelers, and we're going to play as the Steelers. You throw some of that on my contract. You know, I, that's how I feel about it. Is um, in the ultimate team sport, we've created a, a league of individuals in a sense. And I know the league is all about get your money, get paid. I love it. But my perspective is a whole lot different now. I'm in year 10. This guy, what is Le'Veon about to go into year 7? You know, you're not getting younger. So win it, get paid next year. Now when it's game time and you know that you have $14 million looming out there and you're still not here and your team really wants you here, it's just at this point... We got Connor. I think we were just all grown enough to finally accept things at some point, and you're just like, all right, you know what? If you don't want to be here, it is, it is what it is. And hold out 10 weeks. It's totally fine with us. Like, as a team, we're, we're totally fine. It takes 11 guys, not just one. Well, for more on the feeling within the organization, we turn to our Steelers reporter, Jeremy Fowler. And, Jeremy, right now they'll play without him. What is the plan until and if Le'Veon Bell returns? 
Well, Wendy, the Steelers locker room has reversed course like Le'Veon Bell in the open field because yesterday there was so much venting and they were so angry that one player told me at his locker that Le'Veon Bell blanked us by not showing up. Blank, of course, being the choice word. But now it's all about the game plan and the Cleveland Browns. And I just spoke with guard David DeCastro a few moments ago. He said, we've got a little something to prove against Cleveland. Without Le'Veon Bell, if we don't get it done, there will be questions. And it's our job to eliminate all questions by blocking well. And so really the pressure falls on James Conner, who's had a great preseason. He said from his locker that he's been confident all his life. That's not about to change now. And the teammates are rallying behind this guy. Center Marquise Pouncey said, sometimes the stars align for young running backs. I hope they do for him because of his talent. Jeremy, thank you. And it's it's interesting because, you know, to, to say they reverse course is the case. If you saw the rhetoric and the tone from yesterday, and now if they're looking toward the weekend, that's fine. But, Teddy and Darren, I'll start with you as former players. You know, I'll just ask you your reaction to, to hearing them call out Le'Veon Bell for what they feel like was letting them down. Yeah, I'm sure they got a dose from Mike Tomlin this morning about moving on or trying your best to move on and no more talking about Le'Veon in the, in the media or something like that because last Yesterday was just all bad. That was just all wrong and something that I'm not used to seeing in terms of getting into people's business, Wendy, finding mm. out what, you know, even talking about 14 million here, you make seven times more than me there, all of that. They went wrong on Le'Veon, in my opinion. This is where you, you don't go in terms of a player's business, a player's status, a player's career that he's thinking about, a running back. Le'Veon knows that 30 number's coming up. Yeah. I mean, he's 26 right now, 27 in February. We have memorized this kid's age now. I've said it so many times that 26, 27, 28, 29, he has a certain amount of years before he's considered old at the running back position. So he has to maximize his value, and how they don't understand that is beyond me. Yeah, and you know, listen, I'll tell you, I was shocked. I was totally shocked by what I was hearing within that locker room because I remember a guy named Emmett Smith held out two, two, in 1993, held out right. for two games. And we wanted him back as a team. We wanted him back, but he had to handle his business. And as a player, as a teammate, you as my colleague, I'm rooting for you to get paid because I know how short-lived this game is. I would never, not just myself, but in the locker room, it's understood. We back each other. We have each other's back all the time as far as, negotiations with management. Once the deal is done, then it's done. We welcome you back. But we're never going to get in the, in, in the way of this type of situation. How's your offense doing those first two games and your record? We were 0-2. You were 0-2. Yes. Any, any, did that make any feelings on Emmett in, in going Absolutely at all? not. Absolutely not. Wanted him back. Knew he was the best running back in the game. And knew he would make us a better football team. But business is business. And you always handle your business first. See, it's about solidarity and Again, this is a situation where we so seldom hear teammates question another team's contract. You could say, we think James Conner's going to be great. You could say, James Conner's going to be an upgrade. You could say, we don't need Le'Veon Bell to win on Sunday. We're good enough to win without him. You cannot bring financial, contractual information into the discussion. And Ramon Foster's been in the league 10 years then he should know that everybody, every player, should be making every penny they can at every opportunity they can. And it's Le'Veon Bell's right to stand out and sit out as long as he wants, and there's enough blame to go around. The Pittsburgh Steelers made him a good offer. Not good enough. Le'Veon Bell could have taken less. He didn't want to. They're both where they are because they made business decisions. And guess what? Football is a business. And you have to live with those decisions. 
And Le'Veon's going to have to live with this. He's going to lose, what, 800 And the Steelers have to lose. Absolutely. Live with they got to live with the decision. Let, let me ask you this. Play devil's advocate for just a minute. Does it bother you that they feel this way? Because we know they're competitive. We know they want to win. We know they're a better team with Le'Veon Bell on that field. Or does it bother you that they were vocal about it or both? It's okay to feel that way. Yep. Okay. I, I do think there's a <laughs> yeah. distinction there. It's okay. it's okay to feel that way because they're human and they do want to win as well, Ted. Yeah, expressing it publicly <laughs> is a different thing. Okay, yeah. okay. fair wishing, enough. Wish, wishing he was here right now, I mean, be, yes. playing. Man, mm. yeah. man, I wish Lev was here. But, hey, we got to move on. You got to move on. That's that's the way you so got to look at it. I mean, so, so simple. It's very so, simple. Look, does it give Le'Veon any extra motivation to come in earlier? It doesn't. Probably it doesn't. not. If anything, it's validation that I do have. They don't understand, so I really have to look out for my career and my future oh. value. So maybe I do just come in for those six games and looking forward. How is it going to be exactly? What, that's the key. Looking forward, if he when he does, if he does come back, and he'll come back, and he'll come yeah. back this season. How? What's the relationship going to be with, like in that no. locker room? Yeah. With not only the other guys on the other side of the ball, but the, but the guys who are blocking for him up front. What's that relationship well, going to be like? Look, the last time that we can remember seeing anything like this was when Tiki Barber, Barber called Strahan. out Michael Strahan yeah. on this. So how did they go on at that point in time? And how do you go on? Do the offensive linemen owe him? An apology? Does he owe them an apology for basically apology for what? Sticking to well, uh, well, they think that he wronged oh them. They said he basically stuck no, it to us because yes. he didn't show That's, up on Wednesday. It's unbelievable. Who were they to hold him hostage? I mean, somehow, that, somehow this is going to have to be squashed. Correct. If well, they, it has to be because if, if he comes in and says, "Okay, I'm here," because it's. I, there's a two-week exemption, Adam. Is that what we're saying? I mean, he's got to get he's got to get six games in, correct? Somehow, some way, he's going to get that in so he can be eligible yeah. to be a free agent. So somebody's going to have to block up. for what, him. Who, who does help sort of smooth the waters, if you will, when he returns? Because we know, even though that's his the days coach. there are numbered, that's he's the coming. Ba- he's coming back. That's the, that's the head coach. That's the head coach, that's and the, that's the quarterback. That's right. The quarterback's got to step in and say, absolutely. Until he does. What's the remedy here? Because they're not the same team. They're, they're still a very good team. The remedy here is got to go out and beat Cleveland. Because <laughs> I think the organization has to look at this now in terms of the Pittsburgh Steelers and that how much of a distraction is this going to be for us if we struggle offensively versus Cleveland, if we barely only beat Cleveland by, you know, it's, it's 10 to 7 and a running game isn't doing, going well, or if Cleveland pulls off an upset. Yeah, which is very possible Cleveland because wins. this is this yeah. is week one, and we've all got a lot of hope, and a lot of players have a lot of hope, even in that Cleveland locker room, that we're different now. We're different now. We've got a better quarterback. Our defense is going to play better. We can go and get mm. this win. So, going forward in terms of, is it easier to somehow, some way, cut the cord from Le'Veon? Somehow, you got to tell your locker room he's not coming. And when he does, we'll deal with it when he when he does get here. But stop thinking he's walking through that door yeah. because to he's quote not. Rick Rutino. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, I tell you what. Uh, speaking of Cleveland, Jarvis Landry had this to say, and I, I will say the juxtaposition is interesting because now you have an opposing team supporting Le'Veon Bell. He says Jarvis Landry on Le'Veon Bell <laughs> just pay the man, which <laughs> sort of stands in contrast to what his own teammates yeah. said yesterday. So, so the team that they're playing this week, he's got more support from his absolutely. opposition. And he did from his own teammates. And there's something wrong with that picture right yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, James Conner, what do we – I mean, I know the organization has, has had some high praise because that's yeah. what they're going to do in the absence of Bell. But 
The, the one encouraging thing is he looked strong this summer. This and right. last summer he looked indecisive. He looked uncertain of himself. But I think this summer he looked stronger. They feel better about him going into the season than they would have at this point last year. And, of course, le- last year Le'Veon Bell reported on Labor Day. Right. So it was not an issue that they had to find out how good James Conner was or wasn't last year. But I think that they feel confident and Praise James Conner as much yeah. as you want. Listen, I think James Conner is a very good football player. Yeah. And I think he's going to have a bright future in this league. But, you know, let's talk about Le'Veon Bell, who he is on the field. Right. Because right. I mean, if I'm on the defense of the Cleveland Browns, I'm going, yeah. Because he's but, exceptional. Ex- yeah. He's special. Yeah. Le'Veon Bell. 406 touches last year. 406 mm-hmm. touches last year. I mean, that's, telling, that's saying something about – how special this guy is, not only in the running game, in between the tackles, and we know how patient he is as a runner. He can explode on you anytime. You can line him up at the wide receiver position. He makes defenses. He makes you struggle, makes you nervous as far as the game plan is concerned because it's hey, hard to game plan a guy like As a linebacker, you're playing chess when Le'Veon Bell's on the yeah. other side because of what he can do and the, the various things, the various ways he's, he cuts and reads blocks to where it's almost an yeah. equation when you are reading and diagnosing a play to your left, waiting for the cutback. Does he bounce out? Is he going to split out and, and catch a pass? All of those things within, you know, an offensive series against Le'Veon Bell, all of these thoughts are going through my mind and the things that he can yeah. do. I'm not thinking that way with Connor. I'm not thinking that way right now because Le'Veon Bell, you know, is top two in terms of running backs in the National Football League. Does, does his absence, even in the short term or his return when it happens, and by that I mean the discord that may or may not accompany it, a change your view of the Steelers as a contender? It does mine. It does, it, even it does. now, it starting does. right now. Because we've seen this. We're starting to see the, the cracks within this locker room. We've seen that the last couple of years. There's always some type of dissension within this locker room in the last couple of years. There, you know, it's Antonio Brown videotaping something, uh, the, the, the post-game speech. It's, it's always something going on in that locker room. And I, I, in my opinion, I picked the Steelers last year to win it, and I, I felt like they were the team at that time, and the window of opportunity is closing. I think the window of opportunity is shut because we saw them last year in a Jacksonville Jaguars game where the Steelers are all, have always been the bullies. They got bullied around two times against yeah, the Yeah, not once, but Jaguars. twice. So I, I don't think this is the same football team. Darren's right. They take a significant step down as contenders without Le'Veon Bell. We know it. And why they were so upset in that locker room yesterday is because they know it too. Yeah, fair enough. And, and here's the thing with Le'Veon Bell also. Again, he's not playing for the Super Bowl this year. He's playing to get to march into free agency. Which is a different mm-hmm. animal. He just is. And right. so when he bangs that shoulder in November, that shoulder sore, that knee is yeah. throbbing. Is he fighting through that at that point in time? Or is he saying, you know what? I'm going to rest this week. And so uh, how many times have we seen him play through pain, have an injury that he went out there? And maybe he'll do that again. But maybe he won't because it's more important to get to the free agent market. And when you have these teammates speaking out the way they did, why am I going out and sticking myself out for them when they've said what they did about me? They're conflicting incentives. They just are. That's just the the way it works. There's obviously a lot of different layers to this, different angles. Among them, though, the fantasy angle. Matthew Barry here on the set of The Fantasy Show at ESPN+. And James Conner is becoming a must-roster in fantasy football, especially for those that have Le'Veon Bell on their team. When Le'Veon Bell has missed time recently, his replacements have done great. Two years ago, D'Angelo Williams was the number two running back in fantasy during Le'Veon Bell's three-game suspension to start the year. And the year before that, Williams averaged 21.1 fantasy points per game in the 10 games without Le'Veon Bell, more than any other running back in that span. Run, don't walk to your waiver wire, and pick up James Conner. 
You know, he averaged over six yards per carry in the preseason and has a chance to be an RB1 as long as Le'Veon Bell is out. Geico presents Monster Counseling. Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and <laughs> I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough. It's not easy to be a vampire. But with GEICO, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. First-year head coach Matt Nagy leads his Bears into Green Bay week one. It's a Sunday night matchup. A key difference, though, for the Pack since preparing for Chicago earlier in camp. That would be the addition of all-pro pass rusher Khalil Mack. Here's Aaron Rodgers on the addition. That's a really good player in his prime. Um, they obviously gave up some picks, but, you know, just adds to the rivalry now that we get to see him a couple times a year. You know, we're focused on Coach Fangio's defense, and uh, they'll plug him in accordingly, and not sure how, how much he's going to play. I'm, I would guess they're going to try and get him out there as much as possible, but, uh, you know, we'll be ready and, and uh, look forward to the challenge. Bears defensive end Akeem Hicks didn't hold back during a Wednesday teleconference with Packers media. He was asked about the offensive line heading into Sunday's game. He said, well, I know those five guys can't block Khalil Mack. Steve Young is back with us. Steve, from the quarterback perspective, if in fact you're Aaron Rodgers, how does the addition of Mack change what he'll have to do on Sunday night? Well, the fact you know, Aaron Rodgers, I put it with Drew Brees and Tom Brady, they just, the, the reflexive recall they have with all the data, they can actually be ahead of the game. And so Khalil poses a problem, no question. But I think it's more of a, a you know, one of those bad speed bumps rather than something you actually have to go around and go a detour. Like you just, they'll work around it with a back that chips or the tight end that comes in and takes a piece or everything's going to try to slow Khalil down. They're going to have to, they have to pay attention. It's going to, it inevitably slows down uh, what you're trying to accomplish, but in the end, I think they can use it to their advantage, too, because the aggression from Khalil can actually set up some other things like screens and different things that kind of uh, combat it. So, yeah, it's an issue, but it's not for, for great quarterbacks, it's not as much of an issue as it is for the rest of the league when, he, when Khalil's just kind of, you know, mauling everybody. You would certainly count Aaron Rodgers among the great ones, that's for sure. So let's take a shot at our first quarterback spotlight. It's the first one of the season, and we'll start with this. The quarterback in week one that has a favorable matchup. I think Drew Brees against Tampa Bay. I think Tampa Bay regressed, deep, especially defensively last year. JPP joins, but I don't think it's enough. Even without Mark Ingram, I think that, you know, the Sean Payton, Drew Brees train continues to roll. I love what they do offensively. They don't stay pat. They don't do the same thing last year they do this year. They're going to change, and I think they're going to be very aggressive. I think they take advantage of a weakened Tampa Bay defense. On the flip side, a quarterback with a tough matchup. You know, I, I, I'm having a tough time hearing you, Wendy, but I think it was Eli versus the Jags. I, I think the matchup, Jacksonville has no weakness. I mean, they really have nothing in their defense. You know, as good a defense they have in the league right now. I think they're going to New York. Tom Coughlin's going to have something. I mean, Eli gets Shanquan Bar- Barkley. He, he gets OBJ back, but this is a new offensive line, a new play caller. I don't like that matchup against the Jacksonville Jaguars on opening day. All right, Steve, hopefully you can hear me a quarterback there you, you want, go. regardless of matchup. There we go. Look, I, you know, you guys, is a running joke from last year, but, I mean, he's 41 <laughs> years old. But until further notice, until further notice. it's going to be Tom Brady because I'm waiting. I mean, the whole world is waiting. Can you be 41 and still be an elite athlete to do things? I mean, you know, all you have to do is drop 5%, and you're not an elite athlete anymore. 
and at 41, you're going to stay in that elite. I, I don't know. I just feel, look, and, and Tom Brady, he loves the fact that I don't have any all-pro receivers. Like, don't worry about it, Bill. Don't, I don't need any all-pro receivers. Just make sure Gronk's healthy. Make sure you pay him, <laughs> and we're all going to be good. We'll see you in the Super Bowl. He's an amazing guy. It's amazing, and I, and I agree. Until proven otherwise, there's no reason. If it's not broken, don't fix it. Uh, how about a potential breakout quarterback this week? Uh, I'm going to say Derek Carr because I'm, I'm think so intrigued by this John Gruden hire. John's been around the league very close for nine years, taking in all the best stuff. Does he go back to be that, uh, you know, the West Coast guy, the early 2000s when he was in Oakland and Tampa Bay? Or is he going to be really explosive? Is he going to go fast pace, slow pace? And more, not even about Derek Carr, it's just really Derek Carr and John Gruden. I think this is a breakout because I want, I really want to see what they're going to do. I think that, I think that marriage is going to go very well. All right, Steve, stay with us. We're going to play your favorite game. Quarterback bingo's coming up. All right, All right. so sit Thanks, tight. Uh, Adam Schefter, though, right now with a quarterback storyline we should be watching. Wendy, it's the return of Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans quarterback. He goes into New England where he went last year and nearly upset the New England Patriots before later in the season tearing his ACL. He is now bouncing back from two different torn ACLs. He missed nine games last season with that torn ACL. But when he was in there, the Houston Texans looked as good as any team in the AFC. He looked like he could compete for the MVP of the league. And so now he's got a chance to go into Foxborough to try to lead an upset over New England. We know that Tom Brady always is a contention for the MVP. And if Deshaun Watson can find a way to upset the Patriots in his return back from that knee injury, we'll put him right in that conversation early in the season for later on. It would spell big things for the Texans. Adam, thank you. Finally, Matthew Barry, quarterback, love, hate. Thanks, Wendy. One quarterback I love this week is the Rams' Jared Goff, who's playing Monday night against the Raiders right here on ESPN. Look, the Raiders' pass defense ranked near the bottom of the league in pretty much every football category last year, and now they just lost Khalil Mack. Pretty sure Jared Goff's going to have a clean pocket on Monday night. You know, last year, Goff tied for the NFL lead in passing touchdowns on the road. I expect the Rams to roll, and Goff to be a big reason why. I am as my number seven quarterback this week, ahead of guys like Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, and Ben Roethlisberger. Speaking of Cousins, he's the one quarterback this week that I'm down on as he faces the 49ers at home. You know, Cousins is traditionally a slow starter. Last three years, Cousins has never been better than quarterback 23 in fantasy over the first two weeks of a season. Look, I get the 49ers were a bad defense last year, but I think that benefits the running game more than the passing game. Vikings had the second highest rush percentage in the NFL last year, and if they can get the lead, I don't know if the volume's going to be there for Cousins. He's my number 15 quarterback this week, buying guys like Tyrod Taylor and Andy Dalton. Thank you, Matthew. Jaguars quarterback Blake Bortles, who has long been the target of criticism, received a contract extension during the offseason. And yesterday, he received a show of support when meeting with the media. Yeah, it's just a shirt that came out last year, actually, you know. And today, our first day, I felt like, you know, showing love. (laughs) Where um, where did you come? Uh, I think some guys on the team made it, and I got one. Everybody didn't get one. I think it was an offensive O-line thing. Yeah, yeah, and I got one. What is it? Uh, border service. <laughs> he's <laughs> no, he's servicing. He's he's a servant leader to us, you know. He, he's just no. Nah, don't kill my guy. Don't do that to my guy. Right, true, true, true. He's a, he's a servant leader, you know, a leader of the team. You know, he serves this team. You know what I mean? He our quarterback. Our quarterback. I know, but it was like- 
That's what, that's a that's man a, happy to have gotten that tank top. You see how proud he was to got a free tank top? Tank yeah, he did. He's like, I think it market. was an O-line thing, but you know, somehow of, I ended up with one. That's a lot of tank top. Uh, all right, listen, nevertheless, top. it was a show of support for his quarterback. So, listen, for the sake of argument, who would you put on a tank top for? You know who you know, I like support? Somebody who needs a little who, boost. Who may Teddy. need a little boost. I'm going Mitch Trubisky in, in ah. Chicago. All right, fair enough. I think that we are not <laughs> – there he is right wow. there. Put him up with a little tray and put a football up there because he's going to serve his team really well this year. That offense that Matt Nagy's bringing, it is just going to be exciting to hear the way he talks about it and the excitement in contrast to what he was in, to what he's going to be now creative, fast-paced. I'm looking forward to seeing him this year. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Look at that tank top. I'm going to go with Tyrod Taylor in Cleveland. Because I like that, he, too. Listen, he was casted out last year from the Buffalo Bills. It felt like he even took the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs last year. They let him go, and then the Cleveland Browns pick him up, and we're still thinking that Baker Mayfield is going to be the guy and that Tyrod Taylor is just a stopgap quarterback. I'm a firm believer that he wins. He won this job. He will be the starter this year. And don't be surprised in week one if Tyrod Taylor gets that win. I'm a Tyrod Taylor fan. I'll tell you this, too. I know it was time for Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City. Okay, I got it. He does not need a tank top, okay? Everybody's excited about him. You know who needs a tank top? Alex Smith. You know, eight touchdowns of at least 50 yards last season. He aired it out when they said he couldn't. Oh, come on. You're all about sympathy. You are. You're just like the – Excuse me. You're the story all the time. No, they – he needs a boost. I am not a softie. You are soft. what, is, what is Tyrod Taylor? He needs team. a boost. What, what's yours about? Uh, mine, it's the I'm same darn you. thing. No, yours is different. It, oh, of Could course, because it's mine. <laughs> yeah, because it's mine. That's why it's different. First of all, they look like, I don't know, bibs more than they do tank tops, yeah. nevertheless. It's not really a tank top. Uh, yeah, but, you know, sometimes you, sometimes you need a little boost. I'm not wearing one for Darren Woodson yes, anymore. Let's take a look at the Modelo Gold Standard stat. The Rams traded for Brandon Cooks, and for good reason. He tied for the NFL lead with 16 receptions on throws of 20 or more yards downfield in 2017. That was one shy of Jared Goff's total number of completions on such throws last season. They'll face the Raiders Monday night, Oakland 25th in passing defense last year. Which brings us to our pass catcher spotlight. We've talked about the quarterbacks now, the guys to whom they'll be throwing Teddy, a pass catcher in a good spot Man, to you succeed. Just, you just set me up really well. Because <laughs> I'm going Brandon Spike Cooks it. right there. <laughs> Brandon Cooks in the in Los Angeles Rams. I mean, you said it, the 25th ranked deep pass defense with the Raiders last year. And I... The pass defense just got worse because of the lack of pass rush with Mac being gone. But this cre- this creative offense from Sean McVay, you never know what you're going to get. And what you're going to get is all of a sudden this kid running down the field mm. and golf hitting him deep. I think he has a big day at the Raiders. Fair enough. How about a pass catcher in tough spot? I hate to say this, but Odell Beckham Jr. And oh, I'm well. not saying it just based off the one-on-one matchup with Jalen Ramsey. Great. You're talking about a quarter- quarterback tandem and Jalen Ramsey on one side. And A.J. Bouye on the other side yeah. and a pass rush that's going to be after Eli Manning all day long. So that ball better be out of, the, be out of his hands quickly. I think, I think Odell's going to have a rough day because he's not going to see that many opportunities. They're going to try to take him out of the game and force force the New York Giants to try to run the ball on them. It's funny to think of it as a tough matchup, and, and it is, yeah. just because it's such a market. It's just something, exactly. you know, we all want to watch it for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teddy, who you take regardless? 
I, I really respect the Los Angeles Charger defensive secondary, but I'm still taking Tyreek Hill no, in this not. game. I'm no, taking Tyreek Hill, yes. Why? Because the non-traditional routes, I mean, the catch-and-run routes, the, the short tear screens, how he does it when he gets the ball in his hands and is able to use that speed, and then right when you're defending against that short stuff, he takes it deep, and he can run behind any defense in the NFL, even if it's one of the best in the league. He, Mahomes, with the arm, is going to send him 60 yards deep, and he's going to reel it in. Did you just cut that? You cut that film on the Cowboys tape, didn't you? I might have told them. You told them, didn't you? <laughs> That's a shame. That's what you happens when Darren Woods is not the second. You have something to say uh, about everybody's answer, please. All right, yeah, all right, mister. How about a potential breakout? <laughs> I want to say Corey Davis with okay. the Tennessee Titans. Uh, Listen, they've yeah. been looking for this kid. He's a first round. He's a first rounder. He's a guy they have high hopes for. And, and he, Matt Lafleur is the offensive coordinator. He comes from that Mike Shanahan tree, that that Shanahan tree, where they find ways to get their number one receiver, the ball. And, and, and Matt LaFleur is going to find a way to get Corey Davis. And I'm listen, I'm not saying he's the next superstar, but he's a guy that can make big-time catches across the middle, and he's, he's strong enough to go up and get the football. So Corey Davis is my breakout guy. All right. What should we be watching? Well, I'm going to go a little bit off the radar here. Like and you talked that. about Mitchell Trubisky before in the Bears offense. Yes, sir. And I think the guy that he's going to look to throw the football to most often is not Allen Robinson, but Anthony Miller, the rookie wide receiver from Memphis, who has been one of the talks of Bears camp, which over the years isn't saying much at the wide receiver position, but here this guy has made plays continually throughout training camp, has impressed the coaches. You saw a flash of it in the preseason against the Denver Broncos right there, a little high step at the end of the play, and the Chicago Bears get the Green Bay Packers on Sunday night. They're going to need somebody to make some plays to keep up with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Anthony Miller is one of those guys who this season Give Chicago some hope at the wide receiver position. All right, you okay with that? Okay, Okay, all right. Just just, just checking. Here's Matthew Berry with some pass catcher love hate. Thanks, Wendy. One pass catcher I love is the Saints' Michael Thomas. I know, an obvious name, but guess what? He is my number one wide receiver in week one. You know, last year the Buccaneers were the worst defense in the NFL against wide receivers by a pretty decent margin. Thomas, by the way, no exception. You know, he's never had less than 14 fantasy points against the Buccaneers in his entire career. No marking around. This game is in New Orleans. I expect Brees to throw a lot and throw a lot to Michael Thomas, making him a high-floor, high-ceiling option at receiver this week. One pass catcher I'm not crazy about this week, however, is the Chiefs' Sammy Watkins against the Chargers. You know, Watkins didn't appear to really be on the same page with Patrick Mahomes in the preseason, and he's never been that productive, a consistent fantasy receiver, right? He scored single-digit fantasy points in 48% of his games in his career. And over the last two seasons, he's averaged less than 10 fantasy points per game. Now he's going against a top-notch secondary in the Chargers in Week 1? I don't know. Until I see it on the field, I'm looking elsewhere. I am his wide receiver 46 this week. Thank you, Matthew. Press coverage now from Cleveland.com. Browns OC Todd Haley had this to say about Josh Gordon. We've been waiting on you, or to him. It's time, adding it's a five-star matchup. Our best players have to play better than their best players for us to win, and he's one of our best players. And somebody's looking forward to that game against his former team. We're less than six hours now to kicking off a new NFL season 2018. The Falcons, for one, looking forward to the opportunity to face the defending champs. You know, it'll be a good test for us up front, you know, for sure, and they do a good job within their scheme of of utilizing all those guys and creating matchups that they find favorable. So uh, it'll be a good challenge, good task uh, for us. They're all right, you know. They're all right. Um, they can cover well. You know, we played them played them last year. 
Um, and they was victorious, you know. So, But that's last year. We don't speak on last year and things like that. What we've seen in the preseason, um, they just rotating some guys in and out just to see who's going to play for them, but not, nothing yet because it's the first game. Preparation for them, you know, it certainly has started through the offseason. Both teams have had a number of really good players coming back and have their, you know, philosophy together, their schemes in order. So uh, it's got to be a hell of a matchup. And, uh, you know, one of each year there's some new wrinkles that uh, neither team has shown on tape, you know, through the preseason. And uh, it's kind of one of the fun parts about the first game of the year, uh, whoever the opponent is. Sal Palantonio covering the game tonight. He's back with us. Sal, we talked about the Eagles, now the Falcons. Uh, if you had to fill in the blank, Atlanta will win if they do what tonight? They got to run the ball better, Wendy. You know, when they played here on January 13th, the Atlanta Falcons only had 86 yards rushing. And the two back sets that Steve Sarkeesian uses with the Falcons, were they were just uh, unproductive in that football game. They've got to run the football game, run the football in this game. But the bottom line is, even if they do run it, they got to get the ball in their hands of their number one playmaker, and that is Julio Jones. He was kept out of the end zone in that football game. 16 targets, 9 catches, 11.2 yards per catch, but no touchdowns. There's no reason to be uptight about anything. Um, you know, preparation uh, breeds confidence. You know, the way we go out there each and every day, the way we battle each other, and things like that. You know, we're not going to shy away from competition. When we're on the field, I want Rocky. I want True. You know, ones against ones. We want to do that thing more and more. So when we get on the field, you know, it's no nerves. It's, no, it's nothing like that. We, we're very confident. A brief word, Wendy, about the weather conditions here. You know, you look at the play-by-play for the divisional playoff game on January 13th. Windchill was 21. Well, here at the confluence of the Schuylkill Expressway and I-95, the concrete jungle in South Philadelphia, it has been a blast furnace. Right now it's about 100 degrees on the field, feels like about 110. Game time supposed to feel like 90. Humidity near 100%, really hot and humid, and then a threat of thunderstorms throughout the game. Sal, only you, my friend. Complete coverage. Let me ask you this. Scale of 1 to 10, how much are you looking forward to this game tonight? 27. Okay, that's about what I figured. All right, Sal, thank you. We'll talk to you again shortly. We will bring back, though, our Hall of Fame quarterback, Steve Young. Uh, Steve, year two for Matt Ryan and Steve Sarkeesian's offense. How much of a difference will that make? It's got to make some difference, Wendy. I think that even Kyle Shanahan's second year was better. But they've got to find that explosiveness that they had under Kyle Shanahan. That's the big difference. If you talk about, you know, kind of yards per attempt and TD to interception ratio, those are two kind of big stats that I watch for for explosiveness. Those are both down with Steve Sarkeesian pretty significantly and both need to be kind of at the level where they were with Kyle Shanahan because that explosiveness is what the difference between a playoff team and a Super Bowl team. And, and Matt Ryan really needs to be in the mix of those. When I say Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, I should say Matt Ryan. And then Matt Ryan's got to step into those shoes and Steve Sarkeesian's got to help him with his year two uh, consistency. There's no question this is a very good Atlanta team, but every team has an Achilles heel, something that could stop them short. What, what is that for the Falcons? Well, you know, I, mean, I, I think Sal talked about a little bit of the running game. They need to have a balance. They need to be a, so that they can come from all directions. It's like you don't know with the Falcons' offense. They're explosive and they come from everywhere, but that's not the case. I think that's probably a weakness. And then I think Matt Ryan, I, th- I think in the end, if they're going to – I picked him for the Super Bowl because I think Matt Ryan can be that good. 
I think the weakness is if Ryan, Matt Ryan's not that good and not as explosive and not putting the ball in the end zone as much as he should. And I, there's not many weaknesses on this team. You can pick out a guard here, a defensive tackle there. But in the end, it's that, that offensive balance which leads to the, to the explosiveness, especially in the second half. And that's what the Falcons need to be. Fair enough, Steve. Thank you. And we know Matt Ryan got his long-term deal. We don't have to talk about that anymore. We also know that there wasn't quite 100%. Uh, they weren't in sync, he and Julio Jones, all the time, especially on, on longer pass plays, Darren, last year. Do you have to think yeah. that changes? It has to change. And Sal Powell just basically talked about it a little bit. about, you know, okay, Julio Jones makes a lot of big plays in between the 20s. But he has to make those flash plays. And when he's your number one guy, he's your best player on the football team, when it's time for him to make the big plays, he's got to make them, especially when they have obvious mismatches. And here you have one right here with Kurt, uh, the safety, Kurt Coleman. One-on-one shot in the end zone here. you got to make these plays because it's an obvious mismatch. And here you go again with the safety in the middle of the field. Big-time football players make these plays. And Julio normally makes these plays. you got to capitalize. You can't drop balls. You can't have overthrown balls. you got to make those big time plays and this is what you want to see Matt Ryan gets out of the pocket here but what happens here Julio Jones creates separation a lot of separation that's one thing this is obvious this is what they do on a a consistent basis he beats consistently beats one-on-one coverage and you see the separation here but what you want to see with Julio Jones is not only the separation and not only the catch here but you want to see him get into the in the end zone here he's just running out of bounds again Get, in, get him in the end zone, make the big splash plays, and that changes the course of the football game. You know, you saw him drop that touchdown pass yeah. against Carolina. We've heard from Sal and others the increased emphasis of getting him the football in the red zone and scoring touchdowns. Think about the play that their season ended on last oh, year. Yeah. The Falcons the drive to the red zone. Yeah. Matt Ryan rolls out. He spots Julio, throws the ball. It was a tough catch, a tough catch. but he got both hands on it. Yeah. And you want to be that man, you, sometimes you got to make those plays. And, again – he should have had more touchdown catches. They need to get him a better. They, they need, need to do a better job. They need to do a better job in the plus twenty, especially in the red zone. That's where so they have to be better, and he has to be better in exactly. the red zone. Both. Yes. How about the defense? What's 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 the Falcon defense have to do better? Well, I'll tell you about the Atlanta Falcon defense and NFL defenses in general. Week one. Ever since the collective bargaining agreement was renegotiated, week one is probably the worst week in tackling throughout the ca- throughout <laughs> the season. Week one, because of the lack of work that all of these players have had in the preseason in terms of live contact for four quarters. So, with the Philadelphia Eagles, fast forwarding to this game, being offense, where you have the RPOs, you have the quick throws, you have the catch and run type of screens tackling by linebackers like Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell, Duke Riley, those short zone defending players that how they break up and tackle. Fundamentals. We talk about all these schemes, but the fundamentals are lacked upon during the preseason because of the lack of hitting and the lack of reps they get into games. We'll see how well the Falcon defense tackles because they're going to have to. The Eagle offense makes you be a fundamentally good tackling team by getting those backs in the flats, the quick slants, those type of plays. A year ago, we were talking about the Falcons mm. sort of shaking off one of the worst collapses in Super Bowl history. Uh, now, again, there's some big playoff losses. Does any of that matter, Adam? Does that, does that weigh on them, Adam? Well, I think that when you lose a team to a team in the postseason, I think it stays with you to the next season. And when you see the schedule come out, and that's the team on your opener that eliminated you in the postseason, we bring up that Julio play. Again, if they make that play, they go to the divisional playoffs, the Eagles don't win the Super Bowl. There's the play right there, balls up, goes through his hands. Tough catch to make, but maybe could have made it. And so they had all offseason to think about that play. And the previous one to think about this. This is a team that two straight years 
has experienced two brutal postseason losses. And now they get a chance tonight to erase some of that, to get the season off on the right foot. And if you go back and look, the teams that win the opener always have a much better chance mm-hmm. of going to the postseason. Again, makes sense, 16 games, this is one of the 16. But there's something about winning an opener that launches a team in the right direction, that builds some confidence, that gets a little momentum going. You've got 10 days to feel good about yourself. And so it is one game, but to me the opener always meant a little bit more than one game. Yeah, and not only for – this is one game, of course, for the Atlanta Falcons, but you look at their division. you got the Saints, the Carolina Panthers, the Tampa Bay. That's a tough division. Every win counts. You have to win on the road. It doesn't matter if you're playing the, the former Super Bowl champions. You have to win this game because that race, that, that NFC South. And, and by the way, you're talking, you're talking about that the Eagles also, you don't want to lose a home game right. to start no. the season. Exactly. So there's even more pressure in the games at home. I know with the with being Philadelphia and the fan base and them already down on Nick, Nick Foles, Foles in terms of what he's seen in the preseason to get validation for a world champion. It, it is important. I've played in these Thursday games. It's almost, you know, you almost validate and stamp last season, and now you can move on because there is the pageantry of the banner coming down and the circus is in town, and it's the only game. And you may sometimes you even have the patches <laughs> on, your, on your jersey I'm that sure say what you that. did last yeah. year. Yeah, no. So, so, embroidered them on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That Sorry, validation. Get the fans of Philadelphia feeling comfortable again and then move it on. So that open day victory, Adam, you're absolutely right. And it's coming. Where's the clock? We got five five hours, 42 minutes and change. Uh, listen, we did tell you about Odell Beckham earlier. We talked about his matchup with the Jags and Jalen Ramsey. Jalen speaking to the media uh, just moments ago. All right, go ahead, guys. You know, we know how you feel about Odell. Uh, now that the matchup's here, uh, how, how forward are you looking to this team? Looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to uh, beginning the season with the whole team. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people are going to try to make it about me and him specifically. That's not what it's about. Football's a team game. Uh, it's going to be uh, 11 guys out there for us, 11 guys out there for them. So uh, we're going to have to come together and do what we got to do uh, to try to get a win. I'm, I'm going to try to do my part. It is 11 individual matchups a lot of times, but uh, you, you understand that this one's obviously elevated because of the two-star power of you and him, right? To y'all, it to is. Everybody. Everybody. Well, uh, not to me. I, I think it's, it's, it's a team game. So, it's 11 versus 11. It's not me versus him all, all game. I'm, I'll be on my fair fair amount, but I'm, I'm sure other guys will be on him as well. With it being 11 on 11, how much more confidence do you have in this unit the defensive unit this year than you did last year? Uh, same confidence is there. My confidence in the defense and in the whole team really last year was um, at an all-time high and it still is. He insists that you won't be able to get under his skin. Is that easier said than done? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Why do you have such an unbelievable knack to, do, to get under and to get to guys? Uh, I don't know. Again, it's not about me. It's uh, about the team, so... Do you really, I guess your ability to do that or your time ability to sort of start to take on like mental proportions a little bit? I mean, do you, kind of, do you see that? Do you, un- do you understand like how people think that or no? Uh, I don't know. It don't really matter to me either, though. My play is what uh, really gets people talking, to be honest with you, and then that's just extra on top. I mean, I'm going to be me. Uh, so. I don't think that's something that we need to continue to talk about week in and week out. Like, I'm going to be me all the time. So, Are you okay with the way people view you, or do you not really care? 
not not too many people truly know me, so doesn't really. I sleep good at home. You kind of adopted maybe. I think you said in one of the either the GQP or, the, or one of the others that the villain role that you seem that you enjoy that and you're fine with that. Um, I mean, why? Um. Because I got a beautiful girlfriend at home, beautiful baby girl, family that supports me, teammates that support me. What people who don't know me think about me doesn't affect like how I live my life, how I go about being who I am. I'm not gonna change because somebody doesn't like me. Like there's a bunch of more people in the world. Curious whether you came up. Uh, listen, you know, I, we appreciate Jalen Ramsey in whatever form he comes, right? He's a great player. He's a great interview. But somebody has told him, oh. uh, hey, listen, toe the line, especially when it comes to Odell Beckham. This is a team game. It's not about you. And to his credit, he apparently listened. That's an imposter. Because he didn't. <laughs> that is not the Jalen Ramsey that to, we know. I'm trying to give the man credit I'm, for towing the company he went, line. He went oh to Doug Marone and Tom Coughlin University. He did. And if we had stayed there for 20 more minutes, I would guess the train would come off the track. I'm disappointed. But he, he held it. Come no, on, I'm Garrett. disappointed. Just bring the Jalen back. That's no, what we want to say. That's what's made him the guy that <laughs> who, he is. Who is bring that? him back. You'll see him on Sunday. But he, you know what? He wasn't. He, he was killing him. Yeah, but he, he was. wasn't taking I that mean, bait. He wasn't going to take that bait. Wasn't eating the cheese. No. And Odell Beckham, to his credit, said the same thing. What, what's going on with these fellas? They're playing so you know nice. We'll watch Sunday. And we'll we'll see watch what happens Sunday, then. and we will we will see what happens. This time last year, Ezekiel Elliott was in a courtroom fighting a six-game suspension that was ultimately served. With his legal situation behind him, the Cowboys say Elliott seems lighter and a bit more focused, even if he plays with a bit more of a chip on his shoulder. I'm definitely going into this year with a with a chip on my shoulder, and uh, I think I have a lot to prove. So. I, I would say, uh, with my preparation this offseason, I just I was more focused and uh, you know I, just ready to go out there and prove prove what I can do on the field. Uh, I want to prove I'm the best back in the game, and uh, you know that that's what my focus this offseason was. All right, our focus is on the running backs as we switch gears to the running back spotlight. Darren, start with you. Uh, the running back in the best matchup. I'm going with Melvin Gordon out in San well, I was going to say San Diego. Out Almost. LA Chargers. Almost. I watched last year. When you looked at Kansas City, not only last year but in the preseason, they have gap responsibilities. They don't take care of their gap responsibilities. Melvin Gordon is going to have opportunities within the inside yeah. run, on the outside, in the quick screen game. He's going to have a big game this weekend. I like Melvin Gordon. That's my fantasy up. back. Let's go. You All like right. Him. That's right. How about this then? Who, who's in a tough spot, Teddy? How about tonight? All right. How about Devontae oh, Freeman right of the now. Atlanta Falcons? Mm-hmm. It's a defense is – we, we thrive on emotion and emotion. It's going to be an emotion-filled night tonight for the Philadelphia Eagles and Fletcher Cox, Cox leading the way with that defensive front up against that Atlanta Falcon offensive line. I just see defensively the Eagles, Jim Schwartz aggressiveness coming through, shutting down Freeman. They stopped him last year in the divisional. I think they have success against him this week. A running back, Darren, you want regardless. Todd Gurley. Regardless, because he gives you a little bit of that Le'Veon Bell feel, runs the ball in between the tackles, get him out on the edge on the perimeter, can do a little bit of everything, catch the ball in the backfield. He's going to have a big game this week. That's the one thing. He's rested. He's He didn't play much in the preseason. We're going to see him come out on fire this week. I love the fact that with Todd Gurley and – He's got a big contract as well. So, it's, you know, maybe his pocket's ready to go. be a little too big. Heavy. Real big. Real big. Yep, yeah, big. Uh, who can break out? 
Well, how about a guy that broke out last year in Alvin Kamara, but now it's Ooh, just him in, ter- in terms of his running mate not being there and Mark Ingram because of the four-game suspension, I believe. I mean, Kamara is ready to, to handle the load, at least for the first four weeks, I believe. I mean, will Sean Payton implement him that way? But that's a question. But out there as a receiver and running the football, this guy can do so many things. He's a, one of the toughest tackles in the league. He's not the biggest back, but still very, very elusive. I like what he can do this week versus the Buccaneers. Again, Mark Ingram serving a four-game suspension. That will be the first four games this season. A storyline with regards to running backs, Adam. I think we're going to go back to James Conner because he's the running back that everybody's going to be watching this week and the man that's going to replace Le'Veon Bell on Sunday. A lot will be put on him to find a way to maintain what Le'Veon Bell has done through the years in a tough matchup for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is going to be a tougher game than people realize. I think Cleveland's going to give Pittsburgh everything it can handle. Mm. Cleveland hasn't won since, what, Johnny Manziel played quarterback? That was the last time the Browns won a game. So it's going to be up to James Conner to keep the Steelers in that game competitive. And I'm just telling you right now, Cleveland's going to play a good game on Sunday. Yes, I agree. I, agree. I, I, I think they, we expect it, and Pittsburgh better expect it. Here's Matthew Barry with some running back love-hate. Thanks, Wendy. One running back I love this week is the Bengals' Joe Mixon against the Colts. You know, last year, yes, Mixon struggled, but he did average over five yards per carry in his final four games. The Bengals have improved the offensive line this offseason, and the Colts have been a below-average defense against running backs for four years running. He dominated touches last year for the Bengals when he was healthy, and he had 109 yards from scrimmage when he faced the Colts last season, his second-highest total of the year. I was a top-ten running back this week. One running back I'm not crazy about this week is the 49ers' Alfred Morris against the Vikings. Look, I'm still high on Morris for the year. He's my RB20. But I would look for other options this week. Vikings allowed the fewest fantasy points to running backs last year, and Morris is going to split reps with Matt Breida. While I do think Morris overtakes Breida as the years go on, splitting carries on the road against the Vikings is not a recipe for fantasy success in week one. He's my RB37 in PPR this week. All right, that brings us to take first time of the season, right? Take your pick, I guess, because we haven't had any games. All right, we'll do tonight's game. Shall we take your pick? Uh, and we'll start with this. Teddy, for you, we got Nick, Fo- oh, Nick Foles, who will start in place of Carson Wentz against that Falcons secondary. Who you got? Already the Eagles fans are down on Nick Foles based on what they saw in the preseason. But I'm going with Nick Foles, and I'm going to take him because I just trust Doug Peterson and the scheme that he's going to implement against this Falcon defense. Look for those short throws laterally and over the middle of the field about seven to eight yards. Also those quick slants off of those RPOs. He's going to keep it simple for Nick Foles. Maybe he'll take a shot down the field, but I think Nick Foles is going to have a recipe for success. And pick up right where he left off. All right, let's talk linemen, shall we? The defensive line for the Falcons, this O-line of the Eagles. Listen, I'm going to go with the Eagles' offensive line in this one. and It's based off what we've seen last year. Jason Peters was lost most of last year. He comes back this year to start. This year, Lane Johnson, another bookend, left uh, right tackle, guy that can make big plays. And then Jason Kelsey in the middle of that of that team at the center position, they have an offensive line that can dominate up front. And I'm, I'm with you. I think the Falcons are going to have trouble getting to the quarterback today and actually in, in wrapping up at the same time and tackling. So I'm going with this offensive line with the, of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, TB. Uh, he, you know he loves talking quarterbacks. You get both of them today. Matt Ryan against the second I, do. I don't get Matt Ryan. You get Matt Ryan, don't I you? get Matt Ryan. Oh, you get yeah. Matt Ryan. I should yes. know because Teddy yeah. doesn't like talking yeah, You do talk quarterbacks all the time, don't you? Oh, you know what? I, I can figure out who, who did I pick. 
<laughs> I'm going Matt Ryan in this one. Look, I, I like Matt Ryan simply because of the weapons that he has around him. You know, you got Julio Jones on one side. You got, you know, uh, Muhammad Sanu and then Devontae Freeman. You got a multiple talented guys that are on the outside. He can dink and dunk with you. He can throw the ball deep down the field. I think Matt Ryan has some get back against this Eagles today. I think he puts up big numbers. I'm Can not we saying, see it? Can we see some fourth not quarter saying, red zone I'm not touchdown? Gonna, I'm not saying they win this game, but I think Matt Ryan has a huge game. All right. Well, you might. We're going to pick yeah. this game a little later, but no spoilers just yet. How about these Eagles running backs? Now it's Teddy. Versus the linebackers? I, I know this is you. Whenever against I can these linebackers. Take linebackers. Yeah, I know. I know better. Linebackers. <laughs> you know I'm going to do that right now. Wendy, I'm going to go with these linebackers. I don't even know Atlanta why we have this up. A little bit undersized. Duke Riley, you know, Deion Jones, Devondre Campbell. But I love Deion Jones and the player that he is. He's, he's turning into one of the best linebackers in the game. Can't wait to watch him play tonight. Deion Jones, go have yourself a great game. All right, listen, I, I'm opening myself up here because you already called me soft, which I am not. But you I do are. like both these head coaches. They are both nice guys. They it doesn't are. hurt to say. Come on, it doesn't hurt to say anything <laughs> yes. nice. Anyway, Can we got to pick. Up? Yes, right, I'm just look, saying. I'm going with Doug Peterson, right? Simply right. because of what we saw last yeah, year. But fair based enough. off of the Super Bowl, defending Super Bowl champs, and we saw it earlier. We talked about it earlier. Having your backups ready to play, that says a lot about who the head coach is. Your backup, Nick Foles comes in, wins this, wins this, goes through the pre, uh, the, the, the postseason last year, wins the Super Bowl. Not only that, Jason Peters goes down last year to being on the backup, backup end in Big V, and he starts, and they Tremendous end up winning again. Can he, can he keep his aggressiveness? That's can true. Can he keep his but aggressiveness this year? I love what year. Doug Peterson yeah. is. I, I think right now, Peterson two. Two. Look who's being nice now. Look who's being nice now. Just saying. <laughs> Way now to the first game. Football is back. First game of the 2018 season. Uh, Steve Young is here. Steve, you ready? Quarterback. Bingo. Bingo. We don't know uh, what's who's coming. Picking? I don't. Don't. Let... Te- we're gonna let Teddy start Teddy, at no. least. Okay. Just. <laughs> I just the the tape we, we got it, this. Teddy. Listen. Find the one with the tape. I got you, man. I think we I got, got the Redskins like don't worry. eight You'll times have last You'll year. Have this. Okay. Let me see what's up right here. Okay. Oh. San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. You love me. You love me. Will he pick up where he left off, Steve? Will he? Is he on his way to Canton like everyone? Wendy, claiming? it's amazing. In the Bay Area, the expectations literally are Super Bowl, multiple Super Bowls. It's all happening. And you think about it, he's played under 10 games. He's won them all. But it's amazing the expectations. And you think to yourself, why is that? I think it's because he's been trained by one of the greats. He's watched. He's witnessed greatness. He knows what it looks like. He knows where the expectations are. He knows how to study. He, and I think he's got a great play caller. So all the things that I would look for, for to say, hey, look, he can do this, and he can expand on what he did last year and can aggressively take, you know, take on you know, not a great uh, supporting cast, it's the situation with Jimmy G. I think he's. I think it's all in front of him. There's no question. Yeah, they, I, there's no question. The expectations are high. I don't even live out there, and I hear about it even in New England. Yeah, I the, McKinnon, the McKinnon injury. I think that's, oh, that's going to hurt. Yes. It hurts. Yes. I agree. Mm-hmm. But right. it, it will not reduce the expectations. <laughs> It is undefeated oh, season. The Miami Dolphins. The Minnesota like, Vikings. I saw, I saw you I, sort I, I of split won. the bills out of the way. I'm not going to lie. He just sort of like, oh. You had the Minnesota Vikings, Steve. <laughs> Minnesota Kirk Vikings. Cousins. Kirk Cousins. Minnesota Cousins. Vikings. Okay, so I, I, I worry about this one. Because I think that they, you know, they've got an expo- they have a great defense. Everybody knows that. And if they can have an explosive offense, and so Kirk is a very workmanlike guy. I mean, he's just, if you, even if you think about last year, he, he's a guy in the red zone. He's going to kick more field goals. He's careful. You know, I just, I think that he needs to become a 
a more explosive player. He needs to get some channel the Minnesota Vikings, uh, 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 Brett Favre years, you know, where he's like, hey, I'm going to do something crazy. I just, I feel like he has the Minnesota Vikings in his hands, and he can't be too careful with it. He has to be able to take some risks. You know these two teams play each other. This is a layup, oh, yeah. Steve. We got the 49ers right. and the Vikings, of course. All right, Teddy. All right, here we go again. Don't Steve. be like Darren, sort of. Bingo! I didn't look. A I little bit you did. I bingo! He got. The Cleveland Browns. Tyrod Taylor. I do want to know. Uh, well, are we going to talk Tyrod Taylor or Baker? Let's talk Tyrod Taylor both, first. Or, or I want to hear Steve talk Tyrod yeah, this is a, this is big because I think people feel like Cleveland's drafted well and they got a, a solid team underneath them. I, I liken it to 2011. Jim Harbaugh shows up with the 49ers. They've been horrible for a long time. And all of a sudden they get some offensive minded guys. They get things going. They get a guy that can get the whole team kind of rallying around themselves. They find, oh my gosh, we have the best offensive line of football. We have one of the great defenses that ever. And then they go on this kind of Super Bowl ready run for three or four years with Jim Harbaugh. I, I want to say that this is similar to the situation within Cleveland right now. They have a really great team that needs to be found, and they got to find a guy like Tyro Taylor that can settle everyone down, play good football, solid, not lose games, be the reason they win half the time, if not more. That would be tremendous. If not, Baker Mayfield needs to come on the scene and see if he can do that, because this is a team that's ready to go win some football games if the quarterback can play well. All right, we told you early, Cleveland and Pittsburgh square off in week one. So here come the Steelers. One right. more. Can I spin this? You may. All right, I won't look. Okay. Oh, yeah, oh, I got to see all this time. I mean, what is it, like a 20-minute segment? This is great. <laughs> <laughs> we got two hours, Steve. Nowhere to go. Ah, New Orleans Saints. Saints. That's a layup, too. We're going to talk to a little layup. veteran quarterback, Drew Brees, Steve. And it really is amazing to me, 41-year-old Tom Brady, nearly 40-year-old Drew Brees, and they really are looking the same. I mean, I have not, I've watched closely. What are those little things? What are those throws they can't make? What, what can Sean Payton not call now? And is this, there's very little that they still can't continue to do. So I think it's until further notice, Drew Brees is going to have an expansive year. And I think he's going to be, you know, to me, Reduce the turnovers. That's number one. And they get a defense that will turn the ball over for you in the Super Bowl years. Their defense is never going to be top ten. But if they can turn the ball over for Drew, give them the ball a bunch of times throughout the year, this team can make a Super Bowl run. But Drew Brees is, I mean, it's amazing to me. I love, if you love, if you love quarterbacking, you have to love the subtleties of what he does with his body, especially his shoulders and the head and his eyes. You have to kind of be in, a, in the moment and see what he's doing. But he can do, he just moves people around. He's like the... Like a magician, and people are like, "You go over here, or you get out of the way." And all of a sudden, there's a scene because of what his body. Everyone's reading his body. I love him and watching him play quarterback. It'll be a sad day when we don't get to watch him play quarterback in the NFL, but hopefully, no time soon. Steve Young, thank you. Solid week one. Oh, that's it. That's it. Bingo. Bingo. You win. (laughs) You guys are the best. We're off and running. Uh, You know who else is the best? Shaquem Griffin, or at least the story. It just gets better and better. Pete Carroll confirming yesterday that the rookie linebacker with one arm will start Sunday's opener against the Broncos. Broncos starter K.J. Wright recovering from knee surgery, expected to keep him out at least another week. And Adam Schefter joins us now from the Domino's pregame headquarters. And, Adam, what was the story of the NFL draft? Now a chance to be a big story in week one. Well, it is a big story in week one, Wendy. And any time a fifth-round pick would go on to win a starting job in the regular season opener, it would be a big story as it is. But in this particular case regarding Shaquem Griffin, the story becomes even bigger. The 141st overall selection 
has wowed Seattle all through training camp enough so that the Seahawks are going to start him on Sunday. He's already playing with his brother Shaquille Griffin. And so they don't have the Legion of Boom anymore there in Seattle. That has been disbanded at this point in time. But they do now have the Griffin brothers out there. And Shaquem Griffin will be starting at the linebacker position. It will be one of the great stories of opening day on Sunday. No question. Earl Thomas also we know has now reported Adam. Doesn't necessarily mean we see him week one, will we? Yeah, he expects to be out there right now. And I think the Seahawks will play him against the Denver Broncos. Look, he kept himself in good shape, and he came into camp in shape, ready to go. And the sense is and the belief is that he will be out there on Sunday making plays against the Denver Broncos the way he regularly has in the past, diving for interceptions, making plays, hitting wide receivers across the middle. That's what Earl Thomas does. He's expected to do it again on Sunday at Denver against the Broncos. Doesn't mean the trade talk regarding Earl Thomas goes away, but his absence and holdout are over. He's back, and I think the Seahawks will deploy him accordingly. Uh, Elsewhere in Denver, Adam, huge expectations for rookie Royce Freeman. Uh, What can you tell us? This is the guy that seems to have captured the interest of the Broncos, their fans, and the fantasy world. Third-round pick has done well enough to earn considerable playing time. The sense is that he will start on Sunday for the Denver Broncos. Devontae Booker's there. But you saw the way that Royce Freeman rolled off tacklers in the preseason, got into the end zone repeatedly. Did a great job running the football against some tough defenses, even if it was the preseason. Showed burst around the corner. That's Royce Freeman, and that's why he is expected to have a significant role for the Denver Broncos starting Sunday against the Shaquem Griffin and Shaquille Griffin-led Seahawks. I love it, Adam. The Griffin brothers. Thank you. Well, again, we've talked about it, but among the marquee matchups to watch this weekend, two of the league's top young stars face off. The Jags head north to Mm. play the Giants, and that will mean... Odell Beckham Jr. facing Jalen Ramsey. Both say, though, it will be a competitive but controlled affair. I think I learned my lesson. Um, But this is probably, if not the best, one of the best corners in the league. There's no way around it. It, It's going to be a good game. It is going to be a matchup, but it's not something that, you know, uh, not going to be something that you repeat. You know, the history repeats itself in in the past and kind of buying into that same thing. So you almost almost got suckered in, in a way, right? Yeah, but, you know, you took the cheese, so I can't <laughs> I can't be mad at anything that happened. I, you know, I, I bid on it, so it's all good. Looking forward to it. Uh, looking forward to uh, beginning the season with the whole team. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people are going to try to make it about me and him specifically. That's not what it's about. Football's a team game. Uh, it's going to be uh, 11 guys out there for us, 11 guys out there for them. So it's a team game. So... So 11 versus 11. It's not me versus him all, all game. I'm, I'll be on my fair, fair amount, but I'm, I'm sure other guys will be on him as well. Well, we welcome in ESPN.com team reporter Mike DiRocco. Mike, who on earth was that imposter? And where is Jalen Ramsey? Darren wants to know. <laughs> Wendy, here's the thing. What you guys just saw is the difference between regular season Jalen Ramsey and off-season Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey in the off-season, much more relaxed. He's much more willing to speak his mind. Uh, as we've seen recently, Mina Kimes' piece, for example, that ran not too long ago, the GQ piece, where he pretty much ripped half the league's quarterbacks. But during the season, at least before games anyway, Ramsey is really focused in, and he doesn't really say a whole heck of a lot, uh, as we saw in his news conference today. But here's the thing. After the game, 
it's going to be a show, especially if he shuts down Odell Beckham. And remember, it was after the game against the Ravens uh, when he went after Steve Smith uh, in the locker room. And we all remember the A.J. Green incident last year where after the game uh, he was screaming and yelling and running down to the, to, uh, to the locker room. I mean, we're just talking about Jalen Ramsey is going to be – a fantastic listen after this game on Friday, or excuse me, on Sunday. Jalen Ramsey unplugged. He also, though, found his way, I believe, Mike, to the injury report. Is that the case? Yeah, he has some ankle soreness. I've been told he did not suffer an injury in practice today. Uh, it's just been a lingering soreness, and if you're not participating in 100% of the reps, you have to be listed on the injury report. So they listed him as limited, but it's not anything that's expected to, to keep him out of the game on Sunday against the Giants or impact his play at all. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I, I would think it would take a lot more than that to keep him anywhere uh, anywhere but on the field for this game as we get ready for our defensive spotlight. We know we have to start with Teddy here. Mm. Uh, Teddy, a defensive lineman you're watching and that we should watch. Yeah, if we're talking defensive line, you got to go straight to Los Angeles for the Rams when they play when they play <coughs> the Raiders, and it's Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald. And if you're a fan, guys, mm-hmm. of offensive linemen being picked up off the ground and thrown into the backfield, watch this game. I mean, who <laughs> just, isn't? And just watch the line of scrimmage because – those two partnered up. I mean, it is so unique and so special, the de- the damage they're going to be able to do. I mean, I may not watch the quarterback once watching this game when the de- when the Rams are on defense because that's how exciting it possibly is to watch them. That's going to be fun. Those yeah. two back there together. I mean, yeah, who would ever have thought? And Dominican Sue in, in, in Do the Los best Angeles. in the game. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Uh, all right, again, Teddy, linebacker to watch. Linebackers, I'm going more to a linebacker unit because what they did in Chicago, I was already excited about. I like Danny Trevathan. I Roquan Smith, the draft pick. But now you go ahead and add Khalil Mack. What they can do in that 3-4 defense of the Chicago Bears going up against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers this week, this is just exciting. If Leonard Floyd on the other side can get any production, this can be one of the best groups in the league. But I'm looking forward to watching Khalil Mack in a Bear uniform. But even especially, Danny Trevathan always makes big plays. Looking forward to watching this entire group. All right. A defensive back, Darren, on your radar. I like Patrick Peterson. And I know we've been talking about him for years, and he's been dominant at the position. He's doing it. You bring in Steve Wilkes as the head coach, who's a former defensive back coach, and there's a different energy about Patrick Peterson. I saw him in the preseason game against the Cowboys. He's playing differently. Now, he's not just you know lining up trying to shut his guy down. He's playing his own coverage is great. He's coming up and making big tackles when he has to. There's a different look with, with Patrick Peterson. And, of course, he's going to be one of those guys that are going to be a ball hawk. But I'm looking for him to take some, some of those interceptions back to the house this year. All right, Adam, a defensive storyline. I think you look right back to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We've had Jalen Ramsey uttering the word team, team, mm. team, team today. Team, team. But the fact of the matter is we've got a lot of great defensive players on that Jacksonville defense, including A.J. Boye and the other corner. Mm. We'll be up against somebody like Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Maybe they want to put somebody on Evan Ingram, the Giants tight end. But this is the best defense in the league, Jacksonville. And it gets a chance on Sunday to go up against a high-profile Giants offense that added Saquon Barkley that has Odell Beckham Jr. under contract, that has Evan Ingram. This is a great matchup for Jacksonville. Let me ask you this. I know Mike said it's no big deal, and it, it is likely not. But when you hear ankle soreness and, and you're talking about Jalen Ramsey, do, does it at least pique your attention? Yeah, of course it does, especially at that position. Because we, Deion Sanders used to call it the Autobahn. You get out there, you better be running 100 miles an hour and <laughs> running four threes out there. And that's, and that's the part of it. You have to be at tip-top shape and healthy when you're lined up one-on-one, especially going up against a guy like Odell Beckham. But, you know, if Jalen Ramsey practiced today and it went through limited practice, I don't think he's going to have a problem for Sunday. 
Uh, Jags defense, by the way, ranked first in opponent QBR completion percentage and passing yards per game allowed last season. This just in from our Jeremy Fowler. Steelers won't have Le'Veon Bell. We know could be missing someone else. Vance McDonald, the tight end, did not practice Thursday. A partial participant on Wednesday. He will need a productive Friday in order to play against the Browns. We're going to pick tonight's game, Adam Schefter, but before we do, what else should we know? Well, it's interesting. The Eagles wide receiver is a little bit beaten up going to this game. They're going to be without Alshon Jeffrey. They're going to be without mm-hmm. Mac Collins, another wide receiver. And it'll be up to some of these other players to step forward and produce tonight. Nelson Aguilar is back. Did not go through the preseason, but healthy from that ankle injury right well, now. Thanks for the news. But We already hey. picked our scores and all. Go ahead. I feel okay. <laughs> I feel okay. Go ahead, Darren. I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles, even though Alshon Jeffries just is not playing. I'm going to say, listen, 27-23, they win this game. But it's going to be based off the fact that Philadelphia Eagles – Home fans will be heavily involved in this football game. Correct. And their defense will be emotional, ready to play. I'm also taking the Philadelphia Eagles. I know Nick Foles has not looked good in the preseason, but watch the game plan tonight. The quick short throws to backs, to tight ends. That's how they'll be successful. He'll take care of the football. Eagles win 26-21. You know who Two Eagles look, picks. You, yeah, you know what? You know when who looked good in the preseason? And it matters not. Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, oh. go on the road. Get it together. Wow. Connect downfield. I've got the upset. I got the traveling team, 24-17 Falcons. They can get Gentlemen. in the end zone. Good pick. I'd like to see when they're going to get a hoagie in Philadelphia yeah. right now. But no, what? Yeah, no, yeah. they're throwing things. Don't throw it. Don't throw it. Uh, listen, football is back. We're ready for a yes. great year. We hope you'll join us every Happy step season. of the way all the way to Atlanta.